Thank you for having me. We are in our Mark series. So if you've got a Bible, please switch it on um, or find one of the ones at the front. Um, We are basing ourselves in Mark 14 today, so uh, verses 1 to 11. So yeah, just grab your Bible, switch them on. And we're going to read there first. And it'll come up on the screens as well. So now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only, were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus and secretly kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. When he was in Bethany, reclining at the table at the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing for me. The poor will always be with you, and you can help them any time you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, whatever she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Now, when I was given this topic, um, it's called anointing and betrayal, I didn't quite know what to think. So I started looking at the passage and I got really excited I love the Bible. I love opening it up and seeing all the little threads that there are, all the storylines that all come together in Jesus. I love that on every single page of the Bible you can see Jesus. I love it. But the more time I spent reading and praying through this passage, the more I realized that this was a massive challenge. This passage is something that is hard. It's not one of the easy passages, It's a hard, tough, this is what real life is like passage. So I'm sharing out of what I'm learning. So please know that this preach is probably far more for me um, than it is for you. But I want to share it with you because it's making a deep impact on me and my life. And I hope that it will for you too. I'm going to start with monkeys. I have a story about monkeys. So... In South India, there is a massive problem with monkeys. We came against some monkeys in Nairobi, in Kenya. They're a little bit mischievous in Kenya, but in South uh, South America, uh, South America, goodness me, I'm going around all the world. Um, (laughs) In South India, um, they are a real problem. So they've had to find out a way of trying to... uh, get rid of some of the monkeys. That sounds really mean, Um, but they had to. So the way in which they do it to capture a monkey is to get a coconut and fix it somewhere. 
Then they drill a hole big enough for the monkey's arm to get in. They dig out everything that's inside and they put in sweet rice. The monkey comes along and he thinks, goodness me, I've won the lottery. I am so excited about this sweet rice. So he puts his hand in and grabs as much as he possibly can. But there's a problem. He can't get his hand out. It is stuck in the coconut. And it's only stuck because he has grabbed hold of the gold inside. He's grabbed hold of what he desires and he holds on and he doesn't let go. That's how they capture monkeys. He can let go, he can, he can come out. He has a choice, but he's stuck because he doesn't want to let go. You see, we've all got choices. We've all got the right to respond. And here we've got two people. We've got Mary. We find out this woman with the alabaster jar is called Mary. Um, there are several other accounts in the Gospels that speak of this, um, this time. And the other person is Judas. And they both chose to respond to Jesus in very different ways. So first up, we have Judas, and he was one of the disciples. He had seen the devotion of the other disciples. In earlier on in Mark, if you were here for the first week um, of this series, you will see um, in Mark uh, 1, verses 16 to 20, um, the disciples immediately leave everything to follow Jesus. There is devotion. They want to follow after him. And this is a pattern through the whole of Jesus' life with them. They are devoted to him. He has seen personally the miracles. He has seen water turned into wine. He has seen people be healed. And he has heard the teaching of Jesus. He had been up close to the action and he was given great responsibility. Now Judas was the treasurer, so he looked after all the money. And we learn from John's account of this interaction that Mary with Mary, that this um, indignant response saying, this is a waste, was led by Judas. He was saying that it is a waste and this could have been given to the poor. Now, the alabaster jar contained pure nard. Now, nard is extremely expensive. Alabaster jars were kept aside just for the most... Um, expensive and most precious um, perfumes, ointments, and spices. And this was likely to have been an heirloom. It would have gone from mother to daughter. So it was so precious. And back then, these were investments. This is what people put their money into. So this was a pound of pure nard. That's about a pint in today's um, in today's stuff, I don't, I, I've lost the word. Anyway, and it would have permeated the whole house. It was going to smell and stink out the whole house. So not a, cert, not a single person in the house would have missed this act. And as Judas saw this happen, he saw it firsthand. He pointed out what a waste it was. And he used the word apaleia, 
and I have no idea whether I'm saying that right, so I'm going to say it with confidence, apaleia. It's a Greek word, and it means a waste. That she pours out a whole year's worth of salary just in one go over Jesus. So we know that Jesus was probably really well regarded. He was a leader. You can see that by the others joining in with him and saying, yes, this is a waste. But he was disobedient. He was deceitful. He was selfish and he was money-driven. We learn that he was stealing money from the pot that the disciples had. We see that in John. He had poor character. And as Jesus stood there witnessing Judas leading those around him ripping into Mary, Jesus could see straight into his heart. He could see that he hadn't surrendered, he hadn't given his life to Jesus. He hadn't left everything. He was still holding on. Jesus, a little bit later in John 17, looks back on Judas's life and says, oh, it was so Apollea. It was such a waste. It's the very same word that Judas used for the alabaster jar. Appearances aren't all that they seem. We can do everything we can to make ourselves look good on the outside. We can fill up our diaries with looking good, with doing loads of good things, being at church, serving. These are all really good things. After all, we put this into the discipleship year. We make sure that there is room for people to serve so that they can grow but if you're trying to make yourself look good and perfect on the outside, that's what your aim is. Your aim is shifted from looking at Jesus onto looking good. No amount of Christian activity is a shortcut to having a relationship with Jesus. We can make ourselves look good. But if we're being like a monkey and holding on, we're missing the point. Jesus came so that we could be free. He wants us to know him and to properly know him. He wants to share life with him. Tim Hughes says quite rightly that we won't pay the price unless we catch the vision, unless we see the prize. And that prize is life with Jesus. It's life with the Holy Spirit. It's life with the Father. With the students this last year, we've done it a bit in discipleship year, but we've also done it in students. We've looked at freedom in Christ. And we've learned together that we were created to have a desire to be significant, secure, and to be accepted. And we don't need to earn any of those things. They're God-given desires on our hearts. But if we don't have Jesus as our focus, we're looking for all those things in the wrong places. And they're not helpful. <laughs> they don't give us life to the full. In fact, they grind us down and there will always be something missing. We need 
the love of the Father, the reckless love that we just sang about. We need it. Mark 8, verses 34 to 36, so just a couple of chapters before. Jesus calls the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? He gave it to us. He gave us life. And we're invited to give our lives back to him so that he can give us life. It's a little bit confusing, right? little bit of a pickle. We are given life by God in order to give it back to God in order for him to give us life. He wants to do life with us. We're given free will. We're given choice. We look at Genesis and realize that God wanted to share with us life. He wanted to walk through the garden with us, through his creation, and enjoy and delight in it together. That's what we're called and created to do. And he knew that you cannot love if you are forced to, so he had to give us free will and choice. In giving over our lives again to him, what we've received, we give back to him, and we gain life. And he's then able to come in and do life with us, transforming us to look more like Jesus and to reflect his love. You see, your life is worth so much. You are so valuable. Giving your life to the Lord is huge. It is, it's massive. It's the most you can give. I love this quote by Louis Giglio. He's an American pastor. And he says that worship is simply giving God his breath back. Worship is simply giving God his breath back. Freely we give because freely we have received. It's so, so much more than singing nice songs on a Sunday. This is life transforming stuff. It's whole life. And Mary comes in to this meal that's about to be had in this passage. And she, in the Passion Translation of this, with a gesture of extreme devotion, she breaks the flask and pours out precious oil over Jesus' head. Now, anoint means to set apart to authorize and equip him or her in spiritual um, importance. And it was customary in those days to anoint somebody as they came in for a meal with just a dab of oil. But this was Jesus. Jesus had just, just a few chapters ago, he had triumphantly come into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey as king. And this clicked with Mary. This is a king in our midst. 
And it was prophetic. And there's a whole other talk that can be done on the fact that this is prophetic, of the fact that Jesus was about to give his life over. But what I love about this is that this was done out of a heart for Jesus. It was to honor him. It was deeply sacrificial. It was an act of love. It was worship. It was for who he was, not for what he had done. It was because sat in her midst was God, and she wanted to honor him. The great theologian Augustine said, Jesus Christ is not valued at all unless he is valued above all. Jesus Christ is not valued at all unless he's valued above all. This is the outworking of her heart, what was going on deep. In front of her was a man that she didn't have completely figured out. There were some strange things that she just couldn't put two and two together. But she knew he deserved this. Her focus was on him. You see, true worship is about surrender. It's giving over. It's about knowing who we are and who he is. Now, I don't know who first said this, but it's one of my favorite phrases, and I know the discipleship year students are going to start laughing in a second. But I really think it's true that we need to keep coming back and saying, Lord, you are God, I am not. It's about you being God. It's not about me being God. I'm not the center of this world. It's about surrender. Now, I asked the DY students to tell me what life is like with Jesus, why they've chosen to live life with him. And one of the quotes is going to come up on the screen. One of them said, having Jesus in my life gives me security in my identity. I know who I am in him and that he loves me as a human being before a human doing. He is definitely worth surrendering all for. Why wouldn't you want to be in relationship with the creator of the world? And more than that, why wouldn't you want to know and feel the deepness of, in the deepness of your heart that you are known and loved but by that same awesome creator? In Hebrews 12 verse 2, the writer says that Jesus died on the cross willingly, that he gave up his life for the joy that was set before him. A little bit confusing. For the joy. He could look past the horrendous pain and the sorrow of the cross to see joy. And my understanding of this is that he knew what the joy of freedom would do for us. The freedom of living life with him. He wants us to step into the purpose that he has for us. And for us to know the eternal love of the Father. And that is what gives us identity. It's what gives us security, acceptance and significance. Those desires of our hearts. And that's what he's inviting us into. So we have a choice some of the things that have been challenging me most about this passage is how Mary worships. 
At one of the New Wine Discipleship Year gatherings that we have, we have two weekends away that we go on. And the first one, um, somehow, I think it was during the quiz night, we ended up getting the hashtag um, Made in Chelty as our hub name. So I've gone along the MIC route for this. Um, so hopefully it'll help you remember what she does. So M is for messy. This is messy. It reflects life, it's real. It's not given in a neat box. It's broken. She literally breaks the alabaster jar. And I was reflecting on this this morning. His hair must have been really greasy. This was uncomfortable, this is oil all over. This was pure nard, it would have stunk the whole place out. It wasn't tidy, it wasn't neat. And she could have just given it to him, and that would have been a thing in itself. But she chose to break it open, to pour it on him. This encourages me that worship should come out of this real raw place, honest, true life messiness. And it's out of the rawness where our hearts really are that God can do this greatest work. It's not about saying to God, here, here is my perfect life, Lord. I've got it all sorted for you. I tied it with a nice bow, here it is. It's not about that, because that's not even possible. But he calls us to be us, be you. Second thing, I, is for intentional. This was thought through. She wouldn't have been carrying this all around. It was an heirloom. It was expensive. It was an investment. So she brought it along and she chose to do this. It wasn't like she slipped and it broke. She chose to break it open. This was deliberate choice. And Jesus honors her for this. She's completely focused on Jesus. Can you imagine? All the others were probably in complete shock about what was going on. They were against what she was doing. So if she had looked up and completely got distracted, maybe she would have stopped, but she didn't. She was focused on who he was. She was so engrossed in the saviour in front of her that she poured it all out. And the third, the sea, costly. Worship is meant to be costly. Sacrificial, it is surrendering. It's giving over, it's not easy. When we were in Kenya, um, we went to visit the home of a really wonderful lady. And there were so many ways in which she blessed us over that time, but this one gets me every time. So I'm gonna apologize if I start crying. We were in this home and she was cooking for us and there was a jerry can just to the side. She had to walk quite some distance to get this water. Now there are taps appearing closer and closer to her but there's not one that close at the moment. There is plan to, to get there but she had to walk so far for this water. And it wasn't massively full, there wasn't much in there really. And she passed it to me just before we started eating. And 
I didn't know what to do, so I turned to my friend and I said, what, what do I do? She said, she wants you to wash your hands. I was like, okay. And she immediately took the jerry can and she started to pour it on my hands. And I started to wash my hands underneath the water. And she kept pouring. She kept pouring water, this valuable resource for her, where she has to walk in the heat of the sun to get. And she kept pouring. It's generous. It's costly. It's sacrificial. She blessed us and she worshipped God by doing that. True worship to the Lord looks like this. It reflects where we are. It's messy. It's intentional. It's costly. It wasn't done in order to get anything back. We're not, there's not any recording of any miracles that then happened to her. This is just her and Jesus. And Jesus honours her for that because of the state of her heart. Krish Kandai was here this morning and I really definitely recommend catching up on it. It was a fantastic talk. Um, and he said that how you live matters to God. I was really struck by that. How you live matters to God. Because that is worship. How we live is, is worship. So, but that, that doesn't mean that he wants you to earn anything by doing that. We don't earn his love by doing things. The doing actually reflects what's going on in the heart, which is exactly what was happening with Mary. We aren't called to do, think, and feel a certain way. We're not all going to look the same in our everyday. But we're called first and foremost to be children of God, just to be. Everything else flows out of being. So my encouragement is to not waste what you've been given. Don't be like a monkey. Don't be like Judas. Don't hold on stubbornly. Give it back and you will have life. Life to the full. And I want to end with what another of this year's DY student sent me. What difference does living with Jesus make to my life? Well, he simply does make my life. I feel like there wouldn't be a point in living if I didn't have a relationship with him. I'm so utterly loved, even though I don't deserve it. Why is he worth surrendering it all for? Well, because he's given me life. He makes life worth living. So before the band come back up, I'd like to kick off ministry time a little bit differently, if that's okay with you. We'll have time to pray for one another. We will. We'll make sure that there's time for that. I felt drawn to do something a little differently. I actually really love liturgy. I'm quite C of E at heart, and I'm Welsh. That's not good, is it? I think there's something so beautiful about responding to God together. So whilst listening to a talk by um, Danielle Strickland on the plane back from Romania, um, I felt struck by it and I thought we could use this. So in a moment, I'll invite us to stand as a family. Whether or not you're a regular here, you're a brother or sister, 
We're a family. And if you're here wanting to know more about who Jesus is, this is an opportunity to learn more. So here at Trinity, we really value positioning ourselves before him, before God, to have a good posture before him. And I learn best by doing. So I'd like to encourage you to do these postures with me and repeat what I'm saying. And I'll do it in short phrases because I'm forgetful, so we'll do it in short phrases. So this is between you and the Lord, but we're doing it as a family. And this is an opportunity for us to surrender again, whether it's the start of a new season for you as discipleship year students going off into your summer before you go to your next season, or whether it's you're in the middle of a season. I'd like to encourage you to stand. The first posture is to have our fists up in the air. And I'll say it bit by bit. So I confess. My natural posture is to defend myself. To fight for my right to make something happen. But I choose as a disciple of Jesus a posture of surrender. Jesus, you be in charge. You have my life. You take control. The second posture, you'll be happy to know, is to have your hands in front of you. I confess that my natural posture is to take, to keep, to hold. But I choose as a disciple of Jesus to let go, to open my hands. Freely I receive. Now here's a place that I want you to pause. I want you to think about what you need. Whether that's grace, it might be forgiveness, it might be hope, it might be freedom. But tell the Lord now in your heart what you need. So we're now going to carry on with the next bit, which is, I choose to keep my hands open. So that everything that I have received, I freely give. And third posture is to fold your arms. I confess. My natural posture is to spectate. To critique. To judge. It's not my problem. But I choose as a disciple of Jesus... to open up my life in a, in a posture of engagement. So let's return to having our hands up, open. I say to the poor, to the orphans, the despairing, those on the margins, 
those who have run away, those who need hope, come home. You are welcome here. Now, I don't know what a surrender posture is for you. It may be kneeling. It may be that you just want to sit back down. That's fine. But get into a posture where you're surrendering before God. I'm going to pray over us. Lord, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you are King of kings. You are Lord of lords. And we are so loved by you. Thank you that there is nothing we can ever do that will take your love away from us. Thank you that your love is so much greater than we can ever imagine. Thank you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And by stepping into the full potential of who you've created us to be, we can transform culture and society because you are worth it, Lord. Lord, we love you so, so much. And we surrender this next week to you and further afield because you're worth it. In the song, So Will I, which the band will come up in a moment to play, the writer says, as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. In the vapor of your breath, the planets form. If the stars were made to worship, then so will I. I can see your heart in everything you've made. Every burning star, a signal fire of grace. If creation sings your praises, so will I. And if you gladly chose surrender, Lord Jesus, so will we. And thank you, Lord for your majesty. Thank you, Lord, for the beauty of your creation that you called us to enjoy with you. You want to share it with us. In Psalm 8, David says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes. To still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Thank you, Lord, that you care for us. The band are going to lead us in that song, So Will I. And as we get the opportunity to praise the Lord and respond to his word, 
it's also an opportunity for you to come forward for some prayer. There have been a couple of things as um, I've been looking at the passage that I feel led to put out there. So if this is you, please do come forward and we would love to pray for you. We don't want you to leave without getting prayer. We believe God answers prayer. One of those things is that you know what it is that you're holding on to. You know what that sweet rice is in that coconut and you're holding on because you don't want to let go. But God is calling you to something much, much greater. You just need to let go. If that's for you, then please do come forward in a moment. The other thing that I felt led to to bring is perhaps you are entering this new season but you don't know what it is. It might be that like some of the discipleship year students you don't actually know what this next season is and it's frustrating but you feel called to wait and that's frustrating. I think it's also a chance for you to come forward and to declare, declare his majesty over this next season for you. If there's anything else that you feel led to have prayer for, please come forward. But we're going to stand to sing. If you're not going to come forward, and we're going to sing, so will I. <laughs>